Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, A Man of Means, Chapter 8. Just when the world was spinning away in a warm, pleasurable oblivion, the sound of loud, urgent footsteps echoed down the hall and brought Ray upright. He looked at it with narrow, blank eyes as the sound grew louder. He cursed under his breath and got to his feet, keeping his back to her as he moved to the window, gripping the curtains and stared out the pasture beyond. Meredith dragged the bedspread up under her arms, over her clothes, and tried to steady her breathing when she remembered what she and Ray had been doing. She blessed the door jar, was pushed completely open, and Leo came in with a tray. Worn it with a china cup and saucer, with a silver coffee pot, a silver cream and sugar service, and a napkin and spoon. On a china plate were some dainty little chicken salad sandwiches. I thought you might be hungry, Leo said with a gentle smile as he put the tray on her lap. Had legs, so it would stand there, alone, over her lap. Mrs. Lewis came over to fix supper, and I had her made you these. <laughs> Thank you, she explained. And thanks, Mrs. Lewis, too. I was just starting to feel empty. Ray made an odd sound, and she re reached for a tiny sandwich very quickly, not daring to glance at him after the enthusiastic and unwise remark she just made. Leo turned to his towards his brother. Something wrong with you? He asked her. Stomach cramp, Ray said without turn. I had chili and souls for lunch. Heartburn's killing me. <laughs> you should go and take an anti-acid tablet, Leo advised, and drink some milk. I guess I better. <laughs> Ray took a long breath and turned around, feeling more natural, more normal. Finally, glanced at me. I'm glad you're okay. I'll be fine. Thanks for the conversation, she said and wouldn't meet his eyes. But she smiled shyly. He just looked at her. Suddenly his dark eyes began to burn. He studied her intently as if something had just happened that shocked him. Are you all right? She asked impulsively. He took a slow breath. He was still staring at her to his brother's covert amusement with her hair around her shoulders like that, sitting up in bed smiling at him. He felt as if his whole life had just shifted five degrees. She was uncommonly pretty with her hair down. She had a warm, kind heart. She put her life on the line for a total stranger. What hadn't that, why hadn't that occurred to him in Houston when they first, uh, when they first told him that she saved his brother from attackers? Leo probably owes you his life, Ray said carefully, but it bothers me that you're risking your own to save him. Wouldn't you have done the same, even for a total stranger, she mused. He hesitated. Yes, he said deliberately after a few seconds. I suppose I would have. See, you have all sorts of potential as a prospective husband, she added with a wicked smile, which got wider when he reacted. You're sexy, you're rich, and you drive a nice car, and besides all that, you like animals, so get not in a definite potential. His high cheekbones flushed and he glared at her. I don't want to get married. Don't worry about it, she said soothingly. It's perfectly natural for a bachelor to resist matrimony, but you'll come around. She wiggled both eyes. If you get me a ring, I'll let you see my collection of you chewing gum wrappers and bottle caps. He was just glaring. Leo Jones, I'd love to see you use chewing gum wrappers, Meredith, he said enthusiastic. In fact, I may start collecting right now. Ray stared a hole right through his brother while inside him something froze. I'll even consider marrying you. Leo added wickedly. She laughed, not taking him seriously. Sorry, it's Ray and nobody. My heart's set on him. She frowned. Pity I couldn't trade you something for him, she murmured to Leo. Ray was getting angrier by the second and uncomfortable at the idea that Leo was trying to cut him out. Make me an offer, Leo told But he can't cook. He has his temper worse than a sunburned rattler. Besides that, you can't domesticate him. He wears his spurs to the dining table. So do you, Ray.
I sit more daintily than you do. He said imperturbably. He rammed his hands in his pockets, up his jeans, glared at Meredith again. You can't give people away. I'm not trying to give you away, Leo said calmly. I want to make a profit. He scrowled suddenly and his eyes widened as he looked at his brother's boots. Meredith was staring at them too. She pursed her lips and exchanged a look with Leo. Ray glared back at them belligerently. What? He demanded hotly. Both Leo's eyebrows went up, along with both hands, palms out. I didn't say a word. Neither did I, Meredith assured him. Ray looked down from one to the other and finally looked down. There, on one of his feet, was a dainty little foot sock with a tassel on it, covering the steel toe of his brown cowboy boot. He'd unknowingly picked it up under Meredith's bed while he was kissing her. Ray jerked it off, cursed brutally, shot a furious glance at Meredith and his brother, who were trying valiantly not to look at him, and stomped out. Helpless laughter from the two people left in Meredith's room, and the sound of it infuriated Ray. Leo was obviously ready to set up shop with their recently discovered closed nurse, and Ray didn't like it. Leo was the plague of housekeepers everywhere, but he was also easier on the eyes than the other brothers, and he was charming. Ray had never learned how to use charm. He always looked uncomfortable when he smiled, especially with women like Meredith, who was painfully shy and naive. He wasn't used to such a woman, but... But what made it so much worse was the, the drooping sessions in his stomach that he experienced when he started, when he stared at Meredith. He hadn't had anything like that since Carly, who made his pulse race almost as fast as Meredith did when he kissed her. He had still taped Meredith on his mouth. She didn't know much, but she made up for her lack of knowledge with enthusiasm and curiosity. He thought about carrying the lessons much farther. About bearing her to the waist, his heart began to slam into his throat as he tried to imagine what she looked like under her blouse. He already knew that the skin on her shoulder was warm and soft, like silk. He remembered her husky moan when he kissed her there, the way her fingers had bitten into his back like little sharp pegs. He'd been away from women for a long time, but he still knew what to do with one, and his imagination was working overtime just now. Meredith had attracted him when she was just his cook. Now that he knew about the intellect-capable woman underneath the flighty camouflage, he was fascinated with her. She was everything a man could wish for. Not that she wanted him. Oh, no. She made it plain. But that teasing speech about marriage had unnerved him. Freedom was like a religion. He didn't want to get married. Of course he didn't. But it was natural to think Meredith with children. He could picture her taking biscuits baking biscuits for him every morning and holding a child in her arms at night when they watched television. He could picture playing catch with a little boy out in the back or picking wildflowers with a little girl at her skirts. She was kind and sweet. She made a wonderful mother. There was her job, of course. He knew something about her profession that it was supposed to be high pressure. She'd been called upon to make life and death decisions, to comfort the sick and grieving, to make herself involved in the daily lives of her patients, that, that she could she should counsel them on how to maintain good health. Besides all that, she had a college degree. Ray was college educated too, with a degree in management and a minor in marketing. He was the mind behind the business decisions, the corridor of the labor pool, and the director of marketing for the Brothers Cattle Corporation. He was good at what he did. He enjoyed conversations with other educated people. And he convinced himself that Meredith wouldn't know Dingus from Dolly, Domingo from Dwight Yoakum, Hemingway from Dr. Seuss. Now he knew better, and, he, and his respect for her increased. She saved Billy Joe's life at the gun club. He recalled that she must have known what to do for Leo was 
for Leo as well, when she found him after he was mugged. Leo really did owe her his life. She was competent, confident, and she wasn't hard on the eyes either. She had wonderful qualities, but he didn't want to marry her. He wasn't sure about Leo. His eyes narrowed as he recalled the way Leo conspired with her. Leo had known all about her already. Obviously, they'd been talking together since her arrival at the ranch, because Leo hadn't been a bit surprised when she rushed over to manage Billy Joe's heart attack. Why well, hadn't he noticed that? Leo had challenged. Leo had called for Meredith when he was in the hospital. He was obviously fond of her. Maybe he was interested in her romantically, too. He'd been interested in Tess before Keg had walked off with her, but Tess hadn't realized it. Or if she, or she had, she ignored it. Leo was not hard on the eyes either. When it came to charm, he had his share in Ray's as well. As he walked down to the barn to talk to one of his men, Ray had terrible premonition that Leo had been serious when he joked about being willing to marry Meredith. Would she be des desperate enough, lonely enough, frightened enough to marry Leo and give up her job of living with her father? Her father had beaten her badly. She might be looking for a way out of the torment. And there was Leo, successful and handsome and charming, just ready to take her in and protect her. Ray felt himself choke on dread. He couldn't imagine living in a house with Meredith. If she was married to his brother, he'd rather throw himself head first into a cement mixer. But then Leo had been teasing. Leo was always teasing. Ray forced himself to breathe normally and at least give the appearance of someone who was relaxed. Sure, it was just a joke. He didn't have to worry about the competition. There wasn't any. He pulled his hat lower over his eyes and walked on down the aisle to the man who was doctoring a heifer. Several days later, Meredith received a huge bouquet of assorted roses from Billy Joe, now out of the hospital and back on the shooting range. She put them in a water in the kitchen along with a card, which the brothers blatantly read. He'd marry you, Ray drawled with pure acid in his tone as he dragged out a chair and sat down alert to lunch. He's been widowed twenty years. Meredith gave Leo a mischievous glance and filled with putting biscuits in linen linen baskets. He's not bad looking for a man his age, and it wouldn't hurt him to have a nurse under his roof. She glanced at Ray's elegant But can he cook? Ray sipped coffee noisily. And does he slurp his coffee? She added without missing me. That was done deliberately to show you I don't give a damn about manners, <laughs> Ray ground. All right, just don't expect me to take you to any nice restaurants while we're courting, she said easily, setting a basket of biscuits on the table. Lady, you aren't taking me as far as the mailbox, he said courtly. You look furious. Furious. That black temper was already kindled. Meredith studied his bent head curiously. She never knew about men. She'd seen some very mild-mannered ones come to the emergency with wives who'd been beaten within an inch of their lives. It didn't hurt to see how far a man would go when he got mad, especially after her experience with her father. You'll learn how to scrape the mud off those enormous boots, too. She went out on in a controversial tone. And not slip your soup. Your hair could use a good turn. Damn it. He shot to his feet, eyes blazing in a rigid face, with a dusky flush creeping along the high cheekbones, with all the warming collar of a poisonous reptile. Meredith stirred a gram, watching him clench those big fists at his eyes. Ray, Leo cautious abruptly, started to get to his feet. Meredith went right, right up to Ray, looking him in the eyes, quiet, still. Waiting, Ray was breathing through his nostrils. His jaw was clenched with fury, but intelligence worn easily over bad temper. Seeing Ray, you're testing me, he said. You want to know if I'll hit you? It's something a woman needs. A woman needs to know about a man, she said very quietly, and she needs to find out where she can help, where she can get help if she needs it. She didn't look at Leo, but Ray knew that was what she meant. She smiled. No, he don't hit, she said in a soft, quizzical tone. You do have a temper, but it's not a physical one. 
He was still breathing through him. If you were a man, it might be. He told her bluntly, but I'm not a man, she replied. Her eyes were almost glowing with feeling. He got lost in those soft, warm gray eyes. He hated the way he felt when he was near. He'd been fighting it ever since he carried her up to her garage apartment after she fainted at the hospital. He liked the feel of her in his arms. He liked kissing her. He liked the way she picked at him and teased him. No woman had ever done that before. At his older... <laughs> As his older brothers had been before they married, he was tanked and uncommunicative most of the time. His very attentive, his very attitude put most women off. Didn't put Meredith off. She was afraid of his temper either. She made him into a different person. It wasn't something he could easily explain. He felt comfortable with her, even while she was sitting him, stirring him to passion. He could imagine just sitting in front of the television with her, holding hands late at night. Damn it, she intimidated him. Sat back down, ignored Meredith. Started putting butter and strawberry preservatives on four biscuits. Leo gave him measurement. Don't eat all the biscuits. I'm only getting my share, she. Jerked his thumb toward Meredith. Didn't make but eight this morning. There's one for her, four for me, three for you. And why do you get four? Leo asked belligerently. <laughs> because she proposed to me. He said with pure smug arrogance and looked that made Leo's teeth snap together. I did not, Meredith said hotly, sitting down across from him. I said I was thinking of you as a marriage prospect. Now that I actually wanted to go through with a ceremony, she cleared up. I'll have to see how you work out, Meredith smiled faintly. That sounds interesting. He didn't necessarily mean what it sounded like he meant. She must have jumped to any conclusions here, but her cheeks were getting very rosy. He noticed that it was a devilish game they were playing, and he could do it better. He stared pointly at her soft mouth as he put a cube of fresh pear into his mouth, slowly and deliberately. He felt very uncomfortable in odd places when he did that. She ate her beef and gravy and tried to ignore him. I like having fresh fruit, he said with a slow smile. He speared a grape with his fork and eased it slowly between his lips. She moved restlessly in a chair. It's healthy stuff. No wonder you were trying to get us to eat right, Leo said, trying to break the growing spell Ray was casting on. You teach nutrition, I suppose. In a way, I'm supposed to console patients on changing bad habits and making lifestyle changes when they're warranted, she explained. If only her hand didn't shake while she was holding the stupid pork. Ray saw it and knew why. She had the damn smokes. He, she hated that damn smug smile on his lean face. Picked up a piece of perfectly cooked asparagus, peered, and slowly sucked it into his mouth, using his tongue meanfully. I have to fix dessert, Meredith choked, jumping to her feet so quickly that she knocked her chair winding and had to ride him. I was all that chair jump right out and rip you, Meredith. It's very common and dry. You ought to hit her with a stick. I ought to hit you with a stick instead, she raged at him, flushed and flustered and out of patience. Me? Both eyebrows are, what did I do? She pictured hitting him across the jaw with the biggest frying pan she had. It was very satisfying. Pity she couldn't do it for real. She went to the cupboard and drew out the ingredients for an instant reduced fat pudding. She had some low-fat whipped cream in the freezer that she could top it with. Meanwhile, Ray would finish his meal and stop using fruit and vegetables to torment her with. She could have kicked him. Behind her, Ray was talking comfortably to Leo about some new equipment they were ordering and about routine chores, but it had to be completed before Thanksgiving this month and the Christmas holiday next month. Most of the ranch hands were having Thanksgiving the day after and that weekend free. Next month, they'd have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day free, along with four days before and after, depending on the schedule. Some of the men had families in far-flung locations, and they had to travel a distance for the holidays. The hearts made a practice of giving the men off 
minutes time off to go home during the holiday season by staggering work schedules so that there was an adequate crew here to work when days off were assigned. Then they moved on, naturally, to discussion about Thanksgiving dinner. You're going to stay until after Thanksgiving, aren't you? Ray asked Meredith. She had her back to them. Yes, I'd like to. She said because she'd already been planning special menus and light non-caloric desserts for it. Unless you're planning to go away for it. She had a quick The family has Christmas party. When we all get together, we, stay, we sort of save Thanksgiving for us. So the others can have the day with their wives and kids. The family has a Christmas party when we all get together. We sort of save Thanksgiving for us so that the others can have the day with their wives and kids. Leo told her. It's been sort of a hit and miss since Mrs. Lewis has been plagued with arthritis. As you know, we got her to come back to work just briefly, but her hands won't hold out to make bread and do any scrubbing with them, despite medicine. She has her children up from Krupa's Christy for the holidays and cooks for them. We sort of got leftovers. Well, I'll make sure you have a big Thanksgiving dinner this year, she said only With all the trimmings, including biscuits, she added when they both looked her way. She finished whipping the pudding and put it in bowls in the refrigerator to chew before she sat back down. That will make us a nice dessert tonight, she commented. I don't suppose you wait. You want it any sooner? They shook their heads. I've got a meeting with, your, with our marketing staff in half an hour. Ray said, checking his multifunctional watch. And I've got to go over the new equipment list with our mechanic and see if we've got everything ready to order. Leo added. How about an ice Greek salad for supper, Meredith? I made it with feta cheese and black olives and eggs. I brought the greens yesterday at the store, except for the eggs, of course. I'll get those out of the hen house. Sounds nice, Leo said with a grin. Watch where you put your hands. Ray remember without looking around. I haven't seen my pet snake in the barn lately. She gave him a cold If I see him, I'll get him on a stick and put him right back in the bar. She said with pure bravado. Ray glanced at her with dancing dark eyes. I'd pay real money to see you do that. He chanced. So, so would she, she thought, but she didn't say it. She just smiled smugly. The brothers finished their last swallows of coffee and went out the door still take, talking business. Later, Meredith went out to the hen house to gather eggs. When her straw... Basket on her arm. Ray had unnerved her with his comment about the damn snake. Now she was sure who was in there, waiting for a gullible victim to frighten. She took a deep breath and walked carefully into the dim confines of the hen house. She bit her lower lip and approached the nest slowly. She dropped. She stopped dead. There was actually a snake in there. He was wrapped around the eggs. He was licking his snaky lips. She shivered with fear, but she wasn't going to let the stupid thing make her a laughing stock twice. She saw a long, thick stick on the straw-covered floor. She put her basket down, stood watching the snake, and picked up the stick. It's okay, old feller, she said to the snake. It's okay. I'm not gonna... I'm just gonna ease you out of the nest. Don't get mad now. I won't hurt you. It's okay. While she was talking softly, she used the stick under its coils and very carefully lifted it. It was very still, not moving its head except to hiss. So far, so good. She had it up with a stick. It was heavy, and she pulled it out of the nest. She noticed that it was really quite long. It really didn't look much like that black and white one Ray had put in the barn. This one had a pretty brown pattern on its back and had a white underbelly. But then it wasn't striking at her or anything, so she wasn't worried. She held a far out in front of her and stepped carefully out of the hen house into the bright light. As she did, the snake hung from the stick, looking rather bored by the whole thing. She carried it through the yard and out toward the barn. One of the men was standing by a truck, watching her progress. His jaw fell. She wondered what was wrong with him. Maybe he'd never seen a woman carry a snake around before. Nice day she called to him 
He didn't answer. She shrugged and kept walking. The barn was empty except for the bales of hay that was stacked neatly on the bottom and the loft of the huge structure. Over against one wall there was a corn crib with stacks and stacks of dry corn and a machine that sheltered him. Here we go, old feller, she took. She told the snake she eased him over the wooden box and slid him down into piles of unshelled corn. She drew back in a threatening pose and hissed at her again. Odd. The shape of his head, she thought, frowning as she studied him, looked like an arrowhead. Another snake's head had been rounder. Well, it might be some spe some other species of king snake, she supposed. Weren't there several? She walked back out of the barn into the daylight, whistling softly to herself as she started back to the hen house. She was so proud of herself. She got the snake on the stick all by herself without screaming once, and she carried him all the way to the barn, put him in the corn crib. She wasn't afraid of the snake anymore, and Ray had said they were beneficial. It wasn't right to kill something just because she were afraid of it, she told herself. The man who'd been standing by the truck was nowhere in sight, but the truck was still running, and the driver's door was standing wide open. She wondered where the driver had gone. He must have been in a hurry for some reason. Meredith went back to the hen house, put the stick down, picked up her basket and went to gather eggs. There were no more snakes, but there was plenty of eggs. She could boil several go in her nice Greek salad. The spinach she bought to make it with was crisp and cold and almost bloomishless. The brothers would love a salad if it had enough eggs and cheese and dressing. She got the last egg into the basket and walked back out again, pausing to reach down and pet one of the big red hens who came right up to her and cocked its head curiously toward her. Aren't you a pretty girl, she said, smiling. She liked the way the chicken felt. Its feathers were very smooth and silky, and the chicken made the sweetest little noises when she petted it. She'd never been around farm creatures. She could, she found that she enjoyed the chickens and the cattle dogs and the endless cats that hung around outside begging for handouts. Two other hens came up to her, curious about the tall creature in jeans and tank top. She petted them, too, laughing as they crowded close. But then one started to peck the eggs, and she stood up again. She turned back toward the house, her mind on the snake and her bravery. She'd have to remember to tell Ray Henley all about it. Murders. The loud, urgent, deep voice sent her spinning around. Ray was running toward her, bareheaded, with a cowhand who'd been next to the running pickup truck at his heels. Hi, Ray, she said as What's wrong? He stopped just in front of her, caught her a little roughly by the arms, took the basket away from her, setting it aside. White looked at every inch of her bare arms and hands. He was breathing rapidly. He seemed unnaturally pale and tight-lipped. It didn't bite you, he demanded. What? The snake, it didn't bite you. He snapped. No, of course not, she said. I just got it on a stick like you did and put it in the corn crib. Get my Winchester, Ray told the other man in a horse. Load it and bring it back here. Hurry. I don't understand, Meredith said with noticeable confusion. What's wrong with you? Why do you need a gun? Oh, baby, he whispered hoarsely. He pulled her against him and bent to kiss her and drew the whole outfit, his mouth hard and rough against her, baby. <laughs> she had no idea what was wrong, but she loved the fake tremor in his hard arms as they crushed her against his body, and she loved the way he was kissing her, as if he couldn't get enough of her mouth. He called her baby. She held on and moaned under the crush of his lips. He shivered, I'm sorry. It was such a shock. <laughs> I was scared out of my wits. I didn't even stop and grab my hat when Wit came into my office. <laughs> Her mouth was pleasantly swollen. She looked up at him dreamily and smiled. You don't have a clue, do you? <laughs> he asked huskily, searching her soft gray Hmm? About what? She murmured, only half hearing him. The other man came out with a rifle. He handed it to her. Safety's on, the man was. Thanks, Wit. He moved back to Meredith. I'll go kill it. Kill it? Meredith exclaimed. You can't. It will eat the rats. It's harmless. Sweetheart. He said, Marion, you were carrying a copperhead moccasin. 
Yes, she stared at him blankly. There's one of the most poisonous snakes in Texas. She stood looking after him with her mouth open and her heartbeat choking her. She'd been carrying the damn thing on a stick with it hissing at her. She felt the blood leave her head. Seconds later, she was lying on the hard ground. Fortunately, she missed the basket of eggs on the way down. End of chapter 8.